what would you do to gain superpowers? And then we take a look at one of the things we cherish most, our memories. But what if we're not remembering our life, but someone else's? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you had a fun weekend. I hope it's very, very relaxing for you. But if not, we're going to do our best to make this week really cool and relaxing for you. First off, barreling into Dead Rabbit Command, it's our newest Patreon supporter, Cannon. Get it? Barrel, Cannon. Get it? Get it? As I'm, as I'm nudging you in the ribs, you're like, yeah, that was terrible. But it's slightly better than your other puns. Cannon, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. I totally understand it. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Cannon, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. Take us up, up and away. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed on out to India. I think it's every little kid's dream to be a superhero. And you go, no, Jason, that's a modern invention. And, and you know, no, I would actually say, I'm sure like little dudes, like little Greek dudes, we're like, man, I want to be Hercules someday. I wish I wish my mom got boned by a giant bull or a minotaur or however Hercules showed up. I wish that my, my mom was deceived into having sex with some sort of goat monster. And then I could have been Hercules. I think even if you go way far back, I'm sure there were like Jewish settlers who were like, oh, dude, maybe, maybe, maybe if I look in the Ark of the Covenant, I'll be okay. Maybe it'll give me superpowers and I'll fly around. Because we have stories of heroes going all the way back to, like, Gilgamesh. People walking around doing fantastic things. And I'm sure kids and some adults, a lot of adults probably, were reading those books going, If only. If only I if only I was sentenced to push a boulder up a hill for all time, I would be able to do it. I'm strong enough. I think being a superhero is universal. It's not because of the Marvel movies, not because of the DC movies, not even because of comic books. Being a superhuman just has a nice ring to it. So we're in India now, and we notice that the streets are kind of empty. People are, like, running into their houses, shutting the doors, and the dirigibles just floating overhead. And we see, like, this bank getting robbed. This dude's coming out of the bank, and he's like, no one will stop me. My name's Dynamite Hands. And he's, like, throwing dynamite and blowing a bunch of stuff up. And the cops are like, well, that's not really superpower. That's just you being able to afford a lot of dynamite. Ah, throws dynamite at the cops, too. And then another criminal runs out of the bank, and he goes, ah, I'm Slither. I'm going to slither around. And he's just, like, slithering around. The cops are like, that might even be a worse superpower. But they're trying to shoot him, and he's slithering so fast, the bullets are going right over him. They, they easily kill dynamite hands. He is dead, bleeding out in the street. But then, all of a sudden, this dude shows a 15-year-old boy, just appears from the shadows. And he's, like, slinking along. And they go, whoa, dude, he's, like, moving all super weird and stuff. Like, what's up with his legs? And that's when they realize... This boy, no, this man is made of mercury. And he's like sliding through the streets and he's like beating up Slither or whatever that guy's name was. He's like, take this snake face, punch, punch. And the guy dies immediately of mercury poisoning. And he's like, once again, Mercury Man is here to save the entire country of India. No crimes too small or too big. I mean, this is a continent-sized country full of 1.1 billion people, but somehow Mercury Man will be here no matter what. And the cops start cheering, and Mercury Man goes to give him high fives, and the cops are like, no, no, we don't want to die horribly. 
And then we realize this is just a dream sequence. And we're standing in a trauma center. And Mercury Man, in real life, is a 15-year-old boy. A 15-year-old boy on a gurney going, Oh, oh, the pain, the pain. The story's been running around the internet for about a day or two. It's quite amusing. And it's true. Like, this is a story when I first saw I go, this must be from the Daily Star or something like that. This has to just be fake. The National Center for Biotechnology Information, it's a real group. They have a real medical newsletter, and they recently reported this. And because it's a medical journal, they leave out a bunch of information. So you can't go and dox this guy or show his arch enemy. Lord Voltrom can't show up and destroy his family. In India, there's a 15-year-old boy who wants superpowers, and who doesn't? That's what we were saying about in that intro. And he's a fan of the X-Men. Who isn't? X-Men and totally dope. And he goes, you know what? So Wolverine, he's pretty awesome. He has metal bones. And then there's this other character who I was unaware of. I love comic books, but I haven't been able to read them for a long time. There's another character known as Mercury, veteran of World War Hulk. She fought Belasco and Limbo. I had to look all this stuff up. She survived M-Day, which was when Scarlet Witch said no more mutants, and there was only 198 mutants left. I, I, I read up till about then, but I was unfamiliar with Mercury. I did some research on her. Her main thing is she's a shapeshifter. She's liquid metal, and her body's like Mercury. So this young boy, let's call him Terry, living in India, he dreams of being a superhero. So what he does, he goes, I can't work in a gamma-radiated lab. I could probably walk down the street and fall into some sewage. That turned into the Toxic Avenger. No. I want to be like Mercury or, or maybe some metal-coated bone. So what he did was he broke open a thermometer and put the Mercury in a hypodermic needle and injected it into his body. He goes, ah, that hurts. <laughs> that hurts way more than I thought it would. Ah, ah. And then he wakes up the next day and he tries to make Mercury hands show up. Nothing. So a week or two pass and he goes, you know what? You know what my good buddy Spider-Man once told me? Don't stop. Don't stop injecting yourself with Mercury. So he inject. He took another thermometer, broke it up, put the Mercury in a hypodermic needle. Oh my God, this hurts. <laughs> this hurts more than the first time. Ah! They say with great pain comes great powers. And Spider-Man's like, that's not the motto. He still has no mercury powers at this point. So he's like, well, <laughs> luckily this family owns a third thermometer. He breaks that thermometer open, injects it into his arm. At this point, two months have gone by and he realizes he has no superpowers. Professor X is not showing up to him. And technically he wouldn't be a mutant because he, he would be considered an altered human. But that's, that's just quibbling. <laughs> the fact of the matter is he has a non-healing ulcer in his arm. And the pain is unbearable. So after two months, after the first injection, he goes to a local trauma center. And he tells him this, guys, listen, I don't want you to blow my secret identity. Because eventually I'm going to fight Slither and Dynamite Hands. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he goes, I can't, you guys can't tell anyone my secret identity. But I've been injecting mercury into my body. And at that point, they're like, okay, stop. This has to be a joke. He's like, no, 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 I was trying to get superpowers, and here we are. Here I am in horrible pain. But he was very, very lucky. This is why it didn't kill him. He never put it directly into, like, a blood vessel. It was going into his skin, so it just created a non-healing ulcer. 
trying to get this power. So they were able to dig it out. They're going to have to do skin grafts. It was not the, the easiest thing. Now he has the power of not being able to fully flex his forearm. There is a bit of concern about this young boy because in the report, this was not a joke in the articles. I swear, I read two articles on this and I go, this has to be a joke. And then I found the report itself. This wasn't the first time he tried getting superpowers. Before this, he was willingly... How, how many times... He got injected three times with mercury and you figure that would be awful. But he, before that, I don't know how many times I would do this before I said, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to inject mercury into my body. He allowed himself, this is true, he allowed himself to get bit by several spiders. Trying to get Spider-Man's powers. Now, I don't know if he was putting the spiders in the microwave to irradiate them, but he was trying to get them, and how many? Was it like three? Was it ten? Different spiders? I want to know because I want Spider-Man's powers. But they said, yeah, he, I, they also said that he had, this is in the report, quote, surprisingly, he had no other psychiatric problems and had a normal IQ, unquote. Mm, I'm going to argue with both of those, because as much as it would be cool to have superpowers, and as much as people dream about having superpowers, not many people are allowing themselves to get bit by spiders, or injecting themselves with mercury. But there is, there's a caveat to that. Because I know right now you have a hypodermic needle full of mercury. And you're like, uh-uh-uh. There are a lot of people who inject themselves with mercury. He's the guy who does it for superpowers. Apparently, in India, like, oh, in most parts of the world, if someone saw someone with a hypodermic needle full of mercury, you'd be like, you'd swat it out of their hands. But in India, it's actually considered, not by everyone, but it's by the alternative medicine crowd. It can heal things, which is the weirdest thing in the world because it's such a known toxic. But people do use it as a medicine. There was a guy in, there was another guy in India back on February 8th, 2005. A 22-year-old guy who was an alternative medicine practitioner. He went to the hospital. His hands were swollen and he didn't feel good. He had a high heart rate. He had a fever and the doctors tested him out. And they were running these x-rays and they're like, dude, what is all what is all of that in your hands and mercury was beginning to accumulate in your hands and the problem is is i've used to work in a morgue so i have a certain i'm used to seeing dead bodies but when when i just got done watching uh, deep space 9 and then i'm doing research and i'm scrolling through a page medical journals show super gory stuff so i'm scrolling through this page of these mercury hands people and it just cuts to a photo i mean it looked like someone was it looked like that Tom Petty video where they're eating Alice like cake, except instead of it being a cake, it was. It looked like someone cut a pie piece out of this dude's hand, and you could see all the muscle tissue and the bone, like because it's mercury infused. It wasn't like they're like J one strip of skin, please, and then it'll be better. They had to actually remove a bunch of like muscle tissue and and uh, muscle tissue and skin and all this stuff. It looked disgusting. It looked like they cut like two inches deep. But he was like, you know what? I don't need your medical treatment. <laughs> like, sir, sir, at least please let us bandage your hands back together. You have massive open wounds. And he ended up leaving without telling anyone. He goes, alternative medicine will, will save this. And he died about 48 hours later in some other men medical facility in India. So people do use it. There was another case in the same journal that it, people have used it as an aphrodisiac. And those people would inject it into their heart. 
This guy was alive too. This guy, this guy did not die immediately. I, 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 I shouldn't say they injected it right into their heart. They injected it into their chest. He survived, so I don't think he actually got it into the heart chamber. I remember when I was reading this, I have a buddy named Mark. I think I've talked about him before on the show. He's a really cool dude. And he told me a story that he goes, yeah, dude, like, because he's older than me. He's like in his 50s. He goes, yeah, man, back when I was a kid, like, you know, I was probably like 12, 15 years old. We had this guy in the neighborhood who was like totally nuts. He would do anything. And back then, like, you would always find mercury just lying around. <laughs> you go to the good old mercury pit on your day off and look at your weird reflection in the goop. But he goes, mercury was a toxin, but no one really thought it was a toxin. It was something cool you would play with. My dad had access to it, too. It was just something that kids played with. You make a basketball out of it, you're trying to dribble it, it's all splashing in everyone's face. They're like, ah. He goes, my buddy, when I was growing up, had this party trick where he would take mercury, and he goes, hey guys, watch. And he'd swallow it. So mercury always makes like a perfect ball. You can chop it up, it makes a perfect ball. He'd swallow it, and then within seconds, it would shoot out of his butthole. Because it's so heavy, it would go through his body, down his esophagus, into his tummy, through his intestines, and then come right out of his butthole. Now, I don't know. I had a lot of questions when Mark told me this story. My first question is your first question. Is he okay? And Mark goes, oh, no, he was totally nuts. And he made him made him even weirder because he did this all the time. But apparently, I don't know if he was walking around naked. He's like, hey, guys, want to see a party trick? They're like, ah... I'm assuming he had clothes on, but it would fall right out of your underwear, roll down your pants leg. Because it's so heavy, it's so dense, but he swallowed it, and it would you would take, let's say, like a one-inch ball. That's actually quite huge. Let's say you took something that was a quarter of an inch, and you swallowed it. When it came out of your butthole, it would probably still look like it was a quarter of an inch, but it would have coated. I don't know, maybe it's moving to home, maybe it doesn't leave a coating. But yeah, so people... The moral of the story is stay stay away from Mercury, kids. It won't give you superpowers. It is a cool party trick. Like Mark remembered like how many how many cool things do you remember from your childhood? This is a great segue for the next story. I didn't plan it like this, but like think about all the antics that other class clowns are doing. You may not remember what the class clown was doing in third grade or fifth grade or eighth grade, but but Mark, 40 years later remembers Mercury shooting out of another dude's butthole. So on that level, so you got to give him that. It, it was definitely a memorable trick. He remembers it. That's a great segue into our next topic. Cannon, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind India. We are headed right on out to Australia. We're in Australia, and we're going to meet a man. Online, he's known as Major Ad 1014, but... We're going to call him Joseph, and if that's his real name, it's just a shot in the dark. Joseph grew up in a small town in Australia, but he's moved away from that small town. He still likes to keep in touch. He still visits from time to time. And one day he was recently thinking about his best friend from primary school, Laura. And Joseph's sitting back and thinking, you know what? That was so fun. I remember hanging out with Laura. She was my best friend in a primary school, which is elementary school in America. Such a small town that we grew up in. There was only 80 students in the entire school. But me and Laura, man, we really got together. And we hated the popular girls. We thought they were so snooty and full of themselves. It was so nice. I remember me and Laura used to make up this code. 
we would have this code that we would be able to talk about the girls, but they wouldn't know it. We'd use the code words, and it was just a lot of fun. I wonder what Laura is up to. We've all had this thought. We've all fired up Facebook or classmates or MySpace and thought, I wonder what our old friends are up to. People we used to hang out with in high school, middle school, things like that. He hops on the socials. Can't find her. Now, women in particular can be hard to find because their names change. So he goes, okay, you know, she could have gotten married. Very, very common for a woman to change her last name. That's going to make it a little more difficult. Now, because he likes to go back and visit this small town, he's actually still friends with a lot of the people from his primary school. He's friends with them on Facebook. So he's looking through their profiles, thinking she must be friends with one of my friends. We had mutual friends in school. Nothing. Cannot find Laura on Facebook. A couple days later, he's talking to his dad on the phone, who still lives in that small town. He goes, hey, dad, you remember Laura? Remember Laura? And he's like, uh, yeah, not, not particularly. And he goes, well, dad, it's so funny because I know that you talked to her aunt all the time. You guys are actually really good friends. And says the aunt's name and the dad goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I know the aunt. But um, I don't know Laura. I, I don't know Laura. And he's like, no, no, no. We went to school together. Me and Laura were best friends. And he talked to her aunt all the time. And the dad thinks about it. And he goes, well, that doesn't make any sense, son. Because the family you're talking about, they're very wealthy. Very, very wealthy family. They wouldn't have kids in public school. They all went to private school. And Joseph just kind of lets the issue pass. He goes, my dad doesn't have the best memory anyways. But he keeps thinking about it. And it's driving him nuts. I can't find her. Such a good friend. I hope nothing bad happened to her. He ends up talking to his friend Aaron on the phone. Hey, yeah, you know, just shooting the breeze, talking. And then he goes, hey, you remember Laura? Remember my friend Laura? I hung out with her all the time. We were all in primary school together. And remember that code that we had? I, I'm having a really hard time tracking her down. Do you know anything that happened to her? Is she okay? What's going on with her? And Aaron goes, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. Now, all of this stuff would be easily excused in a school that's much bigger than 80 students. But with 80 students in the whole school, even if you didn't know someone, it was most likely you knew of someone. And your friend's best friend, you would totally know this person's name. So Joseph is going, Aaron, I know you know who Laura is. We hung out all the time. All through school, we had the code. Remember, we were always talking in code. And Aaron goes, dude, yeah, I remember the code. Your code. And you would talk, and no one could understand what you were talking about. And you'd think it was so funny and clever. We had no idea what in the world you were saying. So this time, Joseph realizes... He is the only person who has ever seen or spoke to Laura. She doesn't exist outside of his memories. He goes to look at school photos. No Laura. There's a list that shows what students weren't there on the photo day. Her name is not on that list. Time passes, and 
It puzzles him that he remembers someone that nobody else remembers. But what are you going to do in this situation? Can you drop everything and rush back to town and try to solve the mystery? Or is it just something that you keep going, Aaron must have forgotten. My dad must have forgotten. This isn't supernatural. This isn't bizarre. Maybe her photo wasn't taken and they, you know, you would keep making allowances for this. But the time comes where Joseph is going to go visit town anyways. And now he needs to figure out what's going on. Now he's back to where this whole story started. If this can be solved, it'll be solved here. He asks his dad to call up Laura's aunt, the woman who he knows as Laura's aunt. And he wants to talk to her. Laura's aunt says, listen, I don't have a niece named Laura. I have two nieces. I have two girls. Their names are Kate and Amy. And they did go to private schools. And the youngest is still five years older than you. You never would have been in the same grade level as her anyways. This is his best friend. And his memories are nothing. Whispers of a dream rather than memories. But you see enough of the crossover. It's connected to real people. And the code. The code he remembered speaking to Laura in. Aaron just heard him talking in code to himself. And Aaron thought this whole story was very, very amusing. Because while Joseph was visiting this small town, him and Aaron and some other friends from that primary school go out to a bar. And Aaron brings this up. And Aaron goes, guys... Joseph believes that his imaginary friend from school was actually real. Can you believe that? Can you believe that Joseph actually called me up and wanted me to verify his imaginary friend, Laura? There's another girl in the group of this pub named Alice. And upon hearing the name Laura goes, what? How is Laura? You guys used to hang out all the time. She's not imaginary. Joseph and Laura used to hang out all the time. Is she doing well, I hope? I mean, I, I haven't heard from her, but you guys used to sit in the cafeteria together and you'd always be drawing. Yeah, how, how is she? And Joseph and Aaron kind of look at each other. And Aaron is completely silent. And this catches Joseph completely off guard because at this point, he's pretty much made peace as uneasy as a peace it may be. That somehow his memory is wrong. And now finally, third party says, no, Laura is real. And described an activity they had done together in school. Joseph kind of has to play it off because this is such a shocking revelation. Instead of going into the whole backstory, he just tells Alice, you know, I haven't talked to her in a while. I haven't seen her since school. But he said for the rest of the night, Aaron just kind of sat there. And after the party disbanded and people are going their respective ways, when it's just Aaron and Joseph, Aaron turns to Joseph and says, you're haunted. You're haunted, mate. Joseph kind of played off the comment and they haven't talked about it since. Absolutely bizarre story. And there's quite a few 
things that could be going on. First off, we always got to address this. It could be totally fake. Anything we get online, whether it's a green text or a news article, could always be fake. But that's the first thing. The second thing is that it could be a practical joke, not on us. We're just giving the skeptical argument. It could have been arranged that Laura is an imaginary friend and Aaron got... Alice to say, hey, say that you remember this girl, we're going to pull this prank on her. That's possible, right? It would be it would be weird because Aaron kind of took himself out of the party. It seemed to have ruined Aaron's night because for the rest of the time they're out that pub, he was trying to process the fact that he has no idea who this Laura person is. And he had made up in his mind that Joseph had his memory wrong. But it's possible that it was some sort of weird practical joke and that'll come to light shortly. But let's look at the paranormal answers for this. Just get those skeptical ones out of the way. There's the paranormal aspect as far as like ghosts. And that's where the story first seems to take you. That he was interacting with a ghost this whole time. And only he could see it. And and the literature, the lore of ghost hauntings, that goes far so far back. Everything from little kids seeing imaginary friends in their room. And then it turns out that they're describing someone who died there 1500 years ago. That's very common in the lore. The idea of people seeing something and going, hey, I just had this conversation with this maintenance man and everyone's like, what? We didn't see anyone. We just saw you talking to yourself and then it turns out the maintenance man was a ghost. Those stories are so common. But to have someone interacting with someone else in public, it's not a little three-year-old in the nursery talking to the grandma standing in the corner that no one else can see but the three-year-old. Good luck falling asleep tonight, parents. This would have been a continuous event in public. Where at a certain point, everyone would be like, Hey, Joseph, you're cool and all, but you keep talking to someone who's not there. If it had been a one-off thing, like we covered the story about the Okinawa haunting at the base, I'll put it in the show notes, where the kids are talking to the kids on the other side of the fence. There's like a daycare center, and on the other side of the fence was where a family was murdered. I think two families were murdered there. And the kids in the daycare would throw their toys over the fence because the kids on the other side of the fence wanted to play with the toys. And the daycare workers know that that place has been abandoned for years, the other side of the chain link fence. That's, those are kind of one-off events, basically. They don't last grades first through fifth. So you're thinking it's a ghost, though, when you read the first part of the story and not story in a fictional aspect, but the first part of the account. But then when we get the update, it sounds almost like alternate dimensions and at some point joseph would have been traveling in this world and in a world where laura existed and then moved to a universe where laura didn't exist but the memories of her still did but only his memories and everyone else he talked to and all the social networks and everything the photographs never proved that she existed so now he's in a new alternate universe and then we have a third party show up. So does that mean Alice may have also been initially from Universe A? She's also been shifted over. This is one of the stories that is so puzzling. And it's also mundane in the sense that this doesn't affect the character's daily life. Like there are some stories that have, like true crime tends to not be very mundane. It's very in your face. You're dead. Or someone close to you is dead and you have to spend the next couple years in trial or you committed a crime and you have to face the punishment. The, the stakes are very high. In a lot of paranormal stories, the stakes tend to be super low. 
Unless I bought a new house and it's so haunted. I bought a new bunk bed and it's so haunted. I have to leave. It's things like that. I've been abducted by aliens. I've had health problems ever since. But most of the time, paranormal stories are very, very mundane. Whether or not the Mandela Effect makes it so the Berenstain Bears and the Berenstain Bears are different, that, that doesn't really have any effect on your life. But this one, the stakes are mundane, and they're also f- astronomically terrifying high stakes. We trust our memory every day. Every action we do is based on memory. Every decision we make, it's even as simple as getting out of bed. You remember how tall your bed is, so you know how to get out of it. You remember these things. The memory is so important, and what if it's false? What if we don't remember the right stuff? And we never know it because we... Do- if he had not been sitting around... This story actually started started off a little bit further back. He was having a conversation with a new friend in a new town. And her name was Laura. And that made him start to think about his old friend, Laura. And I just cut it out for brevity. And now I'm explaining it now. But he just happened to restart thinking about Laura again and started tracking her down. Had he not gone on this journey, he would have just have always assumed that not only did she exist, but everyone remembered her. So how do you know that your cherished memories are real? Any of them. At all. You don't. You cannot prove it until you look into it. Now, I can remember hanging out with Steve Damewood and Mauricio Carrillo all the time. And I know they still exist because Steve Damewood supports my Patreon. And he hung out with Mauricio about a year ago. But what about all my other friends that I don't talk to on Facebook? I talk to Josh Moremeyer. I talk to Jason Campbell. These are all guys that I hung out with a long time ago. Hung out with Quinn and DJ. I can keep naming friends. My point is, is that what about the friends that I can't name off the top of my head whose actions with them informed the person I am today, but they didn't exist? Like, where? what does that say of, of, of me as a person? Because the person I am today is based on the memories I had. But if those memories are false, like this Joseph character, he had fun getting back at the cool girls. It gave him a sense of power to come up with this code. They can insult these girls right to their face and the girls wouldn't know what was going on. And that gave him a sense of striking back against entitled people. And that type of behavior will carry on throughout your life. But did it ever happen? I mean, Alice remembers at least the drawing. Aaron remembers the code, but doesn't remember anyone it was shared with. What we remember are things we did, but what if we didn't do them? What if our memories, not all of them, but what if some of our memories are false? And it's so realistic that we remember people who no one else acknowledges existing. Because even though Alice popped up in the end of the story to say that Joseph wasn't losing his mind, the aunt didn't know them. Aaron didn't know them. No photographs of Laura. What do we have to hold on to other than our past? 
It is the one thing that should be unchanging. The future can be anything. The present changes from moment to moment, but the past is unchangeable. It is a fixed moment. As much as we may want to change it, we can't. This is a universal truth. But, what if it's not? What if the past is as fluid as the future? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>